You're listening to The Takeaway with John Hockenberry and Celeste Headley. Good morning, everyone. It was a normal late afternoon winter day in the normally chaotic city of Port-au-Prince, Haiti, when at 5 p.m. a 7.0 earthquake struck the capital and the surrounding areas, toppling everything from simple homes and shacks to the ornate National Palace. The dead and injured reportedly lay in the streets, even as strong aftershocks continued. It's the most powerful earthquake to hit Haiti in more than 200 years, and we want to give you as much a sense of what it's like to be there as within the hour the sun will rise over a city that we understand from all kinds of reports is completely devastated. Here's an eyewitness. Right now, the situation is really difficult. There's no electricity outside. There's people who need a place to stay. There's people who's bleeding, who need medication and care. There's people who's under those buildings that collapse who need someone to get them out. The infrastructure in Port-au-Prince has been severely damaged and communication with the the city is difficult. Nevertheless, we have lines out to uh, Port-au-Prince. And uh, during this segment and for the entire hour, whenever we get somebody from the Haitian capital, we will go to them. Right now, we are speaking with uh, Laurent Dubois, who's a professor at Duke University. He's a historian of of, uh, the nation of Haiti and uh, joins us from his home in North Carolina. Um, And again, uh, we may interrupt you if we uh, go to uh, Port-au-Prince, Professor, but uh, bear with us, will you? Of course. Mm -hmm. Um, So you were talking uh, just there at the top of the hour that uh, as you see the little anecdotal reports of the damage, the National Palace uh, apparently damaged to a a significant uh, cathedral uh, there in this uh, 80 percent Catholic uh, nation, uh, it was uh, hitting you emotionally because you know these places very well. Yes, and I mean, obviously, I know people who are there. I did hear last night I've got a student who's who's there right now who who is okay, although hurt. Um, so there's a lot of, um, you know, this is obviously affecting people across the country very seriously. And tell us about the density of uh, Port-au-Prince and uh, the, the historic sort of rise in population over the last few decades. You alluded to political instability uh, at the top of the hour there. Give us a sense of how vulnerable these people are. Mm-hmm. Well, it's been, you know, there's been a huge migration uh, over the last several decades from the countryside into Port-au-Prince, um, and many people have ended up living in, in you know, in pretty tightly packed uh, neighborhoods that are, a lot of them are built on hillsides around um, around and in the capital. So um, a lot of these houses Houses are small houses, and, and obviously there are concrete structures, but also other smaller structures. So uh, those kinds of houses are obviously extremely vulnerable in an earthquake. Um, it also sounds, though, that people in you know in, in concrete houses have fallen down. Um, there there's damage in Pétionville, which has a lot of larger houses. I've, I've been following the um, several Twitter feeds, and it's clear that several of the larger hotels have been really badly hit as well. Tell the us United- the significance of the hotels, because it's mm-hmm. our understanding that the United Nations is based in at least one of those hotels. And we have a report from a Chinese newspaper that perhaps as many as eight Chinese peacekeepers have been killed in the devastation around the U.N. headquarters. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, I've heard that the U.N. headquarters has collapsed. Um, that's pretty important since the U.N. Uh, security forces and, are there and are important, uh, you know, could be important way to help people. Um, and and it's, uh, the, it sounds like the Hotel Montana, which has been a headquarters for many of the U.N. staff, may have been very badly hit as well. Um, so those are all really 
significant, and I think people have been communicating from those hotels. Um, but I think the real, the, the you know the, the the real question is about um, what's going on in the neighborhoods um, in these smaller neighborhoods on the hillsides, where I think there's going to be an enormous amount of of devastation, and, and they're going to need a great deal of help. And let, let's remind people that uh, unlike perhaps other nations, uh, when you talk about the United Nations uh, headquarters being hit and some of the NGOs and aid agencies being devastated in this earthquake, you're really talking about the institutions that the people in those neighborhoods actually look to for help. They're not really looking to the government in Haiti because of the situation that you've described, right? Well, yeah, I think that, I mean, the government obviously is, is important too, and there is a, a local Haitian police force, but the UN uh, police are very present um, in the city, um, and they play they play a big role, so they're obviously um, quite important. It, it does sound like at least the student I was in contact with went to a UN camp, and it sounds like the UN um, camps are maybe serving as places of refuge for, uh, for people who have had to leave their homes or neighborhoods. Um, but it's obviously just a, a really difficult and chaotic situation, so it's obviously the, the sooner that other help can get in, um, the better. And the U.S. Uh, aid agencies are, are sending relief operations, and uh, they're being mobilized from around the hemisphere as well. We're talking with Laurent Dubois, professor at Duke University. You know, we got this report. We've all been looking at the same Twitter feeds, I suspect, overnight. Thousands of people were gathered in public squares late into the night, we heard from a number of sources, singing hymns and weeping. I mean, I, I can certainly understand the sentiment there, but this idea of gathering in public places, uh, does that sound familiar to you as as uh, someone who knows Haiti well? Well, yeah, I think so. I think we read, you know, I think this is, um, people are obviously trying to come together. They're, they're obviously, they, you know, many people are, they can't stay in their homes and are, and are looking for solace. Um, so obviously people are gathering, and I've heard a lot of reports about singing, um, and, uh, you know, people are, are pulling together. I mean, this is a, a place that has um, has stuck, to, you know, has, has held together in, in part through the strength of, of religion and community. And um, so I think that's, in a sense, a, a, a natural and an important response for the communities to, to hold together that way. Professor Dubois, you know, uh, we have been saying, and a lot of people have been talking about how ill-prepared this country is to deal with this kind of tragedy. Obviously, they had four severe storms or hurricanes last year, but this is a, a country that's coming out of deep poverty. But can you kind of put, help us understand, is this a country that w- for which all aid will need to come from outside the country? What kind of prepare, preparedness do they have there to deal with casualties, to deal with injuries? Um, I mean, there's obviously some, you know, there are going to be some, there's some uh, certain amount of medical infrastructure. I think it's just that it's already strained on a day-to-day level. So um, a, a disaster of this magnitude is really going to overburden the system that exists. I mean, I think, you know, there's going to be communities that are going to come together that, that are, and there's a lot of people there who will obviously be able to help each other. But there's just a kind of a magnitude of the disaster that I think is obviously going to um, outpace. I mean, it would outpace any any structure in a way, but but. Haiti, I think, is just, in, you know, in the day-to-day, in the day-to-day uh, is, is, is also already so difficult for people to get health care that um, this is going to be very serious, especially for people who are in, in more populated neighborhoods and um, maybe already in, in really difficult circumstances. And uh, Professor Dubois, we learned that this earthquake was more devastating than any event of, of its kind in 200 or more years. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's a long span of history. Before we yeah. go to the break in uh, the last uh, few seconds, uh, give us a sense of of historically, I mean, what what kind of an arc is that the last two hundred years? Well, it's been a, you know Haiti has I mean is born out of a plantation slavery economy. It's it's uh, born out of enslavement and then a slave revolution against that. Um, it has been a country that has struggled uh, in the international arena as well and been isolated often. So this is a place that kind of you know there have been aftershocks of history right. um, affecting this country too for the last two hundred years. 
There's the amazing. takeaway. Aftershocks of history, and we're feeling them this morning. Laurent Dubois is with us all hours, professor at Duke University, a historian of Haiti, reporting on the devastating earthquake, a seven-magnitude quake last night in Port-au-Prince. And now at 15 minutes after the hour, let's uh, take a look at some of the headlines we're following. We've been talking about yesterday's powerful earthquake in Haiti. In the past few minutes, the Red Cross said up to 3 million people have been affected by the quake. Meanwhile, the United States is sending a disaster relief team to the area. The epicenter of the 7.0 quake was near the densely populated capital, Port-au-Prince. Communications have been largely cut. There have been some reports through the night of crowds gathering in the darkness and singing hymns, as John mentioned. They have nowhere else to go. Let's bring you up to date now with some other news. The details are still unclear, but Afghan officials say two American service members have died in a bomb blast in eastern Afghanistan that raises U.S. casualties in the country to 12 this month. Meanwhile, a report by the United Nations says the death toll among Afghan civilians last year was higher than in any year since the war began in 2001. The UN reports that over 2,400 civilians were killed, most in attacks by the Taliban. Big story out of China. Google says it will stop censoring its search results and is even threatening to pull out of China if state censorship continues there. It's a rare show of defiance in a system where foreign competition often, foreign co- companies excuse me, often accept restrictions to gain access to the huge Chinese market. In economic news, a senior administration official says President Obama is ready to announce a new fee on the country's biggest financial firms. The move is an attempt to recoup as much as $120 billion in Wall Street uh, bailout funds. An announcement is expected later this week. Finally, a second big chain store says it's halting sales of jewelry suspected of being tainted with cadmium from China. That's a look at some of the stories we're watching. Full coverage of Haiti. Stay with us.